What's up, everybody? Welcome to the two. Uh, you can tell I haven't done this in a while. Two hundred ninety-fifth episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today is Will. Happy New Year to everyone. This is our first recording of 2018. Uh wow! I broke. It. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> I broke you. I think I recorded last week. Uh, I said this is our. Our, that's a hard word to pronounce. O-U-R, as in more than just you. Oh, I, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, we also have Al returning. I believe he is from Europe. I am. And this week, I finally finished my main series Pokemon game collection. You finally got Pokemon Dash? <laughs> main series, I said. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> <laughs> But one thing I did notice, and it's really frustrating me just now as I'm sitting looking at them, is um, I bought... Pokemon Alpha Sapphire from Australia because it was cheaper. I know that's an odd idea, a game being cheaper from Australia, but let's get away from that for a minute. Um, and the, not only is the artwork different, the box size is slightly different. It's slightly smaller. Oh, that's what you get. That's why it was less expensive. They just used a little less plastic. <laughs> Wait, I thought Australia was a different region for games. No, it's uh, it's uh, PAL. Oh, okay. It's the same as Europe. I did not know that. All right, we also... It's different from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's different from us. Metric system. Uh, we also have uh, <laughs> Rochelle, Miss Delaney. You used my name for the second week in a row. I'm so proud. Was I not supposed to? <laughs> no, I, I just want you to know, you actually said my name on the last podcast. And I got like super genuinely like extra excited. I was like, oh my gosh, he said my name. And I'm like telling everybody and like my roommates are like, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care. But like, yeah, they were like, we say your name all the time and you don't get excited. <laughs> exactly. Especially when we say your name before, please do the dishes. Ugh. Ugh. Let me tell you about dishes. <laughs> can Dear we talk everybody. About, can we talk about fruit? No. No, no, we can't. No seeds. No fruit, no seeds in 2018. <laughs> no fruit, no seeds 2018. All right, well, we got a show for you guys today. No fruit talk. Uh, but we'll, we'll get we'll get to some other heated debates here. Uh, we have very little news. Really no news. Stuff last week that we're going to bring up. New segments going to be incredibly short. And then we're going to move on and just talk about our overall impressions of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. You guys know what my impressions are, so I probably won't be talking as much, but I would like to know what Will's thoughts are, Rochelle's thoughts are, and Al's thoughts on the games. If you are worried about spoilers, before we get there, please note that we're going to talk all the way up to the, all the, way up to the Elite Four and credits. Anything after that is no bueno. So if you haven't done stuff like Rainbow Rocket or stuff, we're not going to be talking about that. Uh, and anything else after that. I don't know what else is after credits, but I've only done one thing. So Battle Tree? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's another thing. I believe what people call that is post-game content. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else there is, though. Because, like, in Sun and Moon, it was the Ultra Beast quest, but you can do that now before four credits it's not really a quest it's just go through these wormholes there's a cutscene with mon and lucamine but i won't talk about that 
All right, all right, so that's what we're going to be talking about for the majority. If we have time, we'll sneak in some emails, and of course, then we have our Pokemon of the week, but I figured we'd uh, get the Sun and Moon stuff out of the way for people who have completed the game. I feel like that it's been, well, it's been like three weeks now since Christmas, so if you got the game for Christmas, you well, maybe you're still playing through it, so I would, and if you don't care about spoilers, then continue listening. If you do, then uh, probably don't listen to this episode. And, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, jump into some Pokemon news. First bit of news here is the two of the Pokemon Go regional exclusives just moved around. I think this is the first time this has happened, which is pretty cool. If you didn't know, uh, Zangoose was exclusive in America, Africa, parts of the Middle East, with Survivor being everywhere else. So what is that? Uh, Europe, Canada, Russia... Not Canada, Europe, Australia. Australia and Canada are the same thing. Uh, Europe, Australia, pretty Russia, much. Japan was Zangu or was uh, Sviper. They now switched around, so you can no longer find Zangus in America, but you can find Sviper, which is pretty cool. I think that's kind of cool. I don't know if they're if that's going to be like a monthly thing where they just switch every month, but. It's kind of a cool concept. I don't know. I think so. I still play Pokemon Go, though. I don't know if uh, Will and... I know Rochelle doesn't play, but I don't know if Will and Al are up to date on their Gen 3 Hoenn experience in Pokemon Go. No, I haven't uh, I haven't delved into the most recent... Probably while we're traveling next week, I'll, I'll do my dip then. Um, because when I'm around you guys and you guys are doing Pokemon Go, I'm like, I might as well. But Plus you uh, get that course little law. known fact, yeah, little known fact, um, because you were saying, you know, how Canada and Australia are pretty much the same thing. Canada actually used to be called Ice Australia because it's the cold version of that, that country. There you go. Fact for the day. <laughs> this is a setup. <laughs> this is a setup, Al. Al, how's Al, your Pokemon me. going? <laughs> Uh, well, I've been I've been doing my my usual playing on the way to the train station, playing on my way to work. Um, you know, getting getting a, a decent number. I'm now I think my Gen One and Gen Two dexes are complete, other than the last few legendaries and regionals. And Smergle for some reason still doesn't exist in the game. And yeah, just getting there with with Gen Three. Just which which along uh, as usual. which regionals do you have? Do you have? Did you get Kangaskhan so, when it came to Europe? I. I did. The f- fun story about that one is that um, it was only in one city in Scotland, obviously, because we're such a small country. Um, and it was while I was not even in Scotland. I was on the Isle of Man for almost the entire time it was there. And of course, no, uh, they didn't put it on the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man's far too small for them to even think about. But there was I one I mean, it's day- only the size of one man. Oh, ho, ho, he's exactly. funny. <laughs> man is actually short for Mananan, who was uh, the Norse god of the sea, I want to say. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, it's, uh, it used to be M-A-N-N until they changed the name to Isle of Man with one N. Anyway, that's a side point. So the event ended on the day that I left the Isle of Man and I was driving up through Glasgow, so I decided to stop off in Glasgow and managed to find a Kangaskhan, which was a close one. So, yeah, I got the Kangaskhan, I got the Farfetch'd when it was around, so I still need the Taurus um, and the all the Gen 3 regional, no, Gen 2 regional, sorry. 
Tauros doesn't exist in America, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've actually seen a Tauros. I actually do remember the last time I saw the Tauros. It was at Pokemon Go Fest, where I'm sure they increased Tauros spawn rate because of people traveling. Of course. But I, yeah, Tauros is so, I, I, yeah, it's, what, what was that, like, eight months ago now? <laughs> and I play at least once a day? Yeah, July. Oh my gosh. It's interesting, interesting, because I see Mr. Mime maybe on a, maybe most, mostly once a day, maybe twice a day, not twice a day, once a day or once every two days. Still seeing it regularly. Yeah, I, uh, I can't remember the last time, at least in Milwaukee, I saw a Tauros. Oh, it's obviously too cold. Last bit of news here is something we talked about last week. I feel like there was more Pokemon news and I'm missing it, but I don't know. It's been such a dry spell here, which is normal. It's normal for this time of the year. Uh, we talked about this last week. This was off Player.1. Pokemon trade, mo- Pokemon Nintendo Switch title trademarks are rumored just false, but we talked about this last week. Uh, with New Year, new Nintendo rumors likely to appear, especially ones uh, dealing with the upcoming Pokemon game for Nintendo Switch. One rumor was regarding the supposed titles for the Pokemon Nintendo Switch games have already turned out to be fake. These bogus trademarks claiming that Game Freak registered Pokemon 1 and 0 with complete with art caused fans outlets to believe that these are legit titles. Those are bad names, by the way. No, it's awesome. Pokemon Binary. It's real cool. Binaries, my favorite things. Yeah, yeah. Like Xbox One was a great name because it uh, it doesn't make... Uh, Xbox, the original, any more confusing. New Nintendo 3DS so, was no, also a good So you name. can call it X-Bone. <laughs> it's all bad. It's so good. And, and then you can call the Xbox One X the X-Bonex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why anyone would believe Pokemon 1 and Pokemon 0. Those are very, very bad names. All right. This uh, rumor gained momentum thanks to a Nintendo Direct anticipated on January 11th that is expected to announce some 2018 Nintendo Switch titles. I just want to put my two cents in here. Usually Pokemon stuff is has its own Nintendo Direct, but okay. That's not set in stone, though, but it's usually separate. However, these trademarks uh, were illegitimate outlets like Game Rant have originally updated the stories. Uh, these trademark and logos have been fake, part of an internet hoax. The internet doesn't lie. This is the only Nintendo Switch rumor out there. The most reliable rumor says the Switch game will be released in 2018 and feature a brand new battle system to change the way we play the franchise. This new battle system will be a simplified uh, battle system being compared to Digimon World Games. The supposed new battle system will also be sort of real-time with trainers choosing attacks from an option menu. However, Pokemon will also have the option to block. The new battle system is supposed to said to possess elements from Pokemon Tournament in which Pokemon can either attack, block, grab in a rock-paper-scissors fashion. The source of the rumor has correctly leaked some information on Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, so there is some credibility but fans need to be skeptical. Any rumor regarding Pokemon on Nintendo Switch should not be believed until the Nintendo or the Pokemon company confirms themselves. We don't want another Pokemon Stars fiasco. Okay, Player One, settle down here for a second. I didn't hear about the Pokemon 1 and 0. I don't know how much momentum it actually gained. I don't know if you guys... Let's talk about that first. Did you guys hear about these these titles' names or no? I mean, okay, I'm not going to lie. I think somebody talked about it in Slack, and I literally just thought... They were making a ridiculous joke. I did not know it was a rumor. So, but no, those are dumb names and I don't <laughs> like them. And it's not true. I just, I, sorry. Yeah, no, I, di- I didn't hear about them either. I just want to pick up on the dumb name thing though. I'm pretty sure we said, or multiple people said at the time when X and Y were uh, released that they were 
stupid names in black and white. I'm pretty sure we always say that new Pokemon games are stupid. I mean, I didn't. Well, but... I'll give you, I'll give you a uh, Will Anderson guarantee, 100% certified. You could uh, bet money on this that we will have Pokemon games called Pokemon God and Pokemon Devil before we ever have Pokemon One and Pokemon Zero. <laughs> Agreed. One hundred percent certified. They've surprised me before. <laughs> this Sorry. uh this stuff like touched on the the other rumors that happened, but I wanna touch back on this battle system. I kinda gave my thoughts and impressions about it last week, but curious what to hear your thoughts. Uh, your guys' thoughts on it. I will say, though, before I, we pass off, I am not against changes to the Pokemon games. I'm totally cool with Pokemon changing the way they do stuff. I would be totally cool if they did change the battle system. Uh, but I don't believe this. I'd like to hear what you guys think. Well, for me, I would 100% not be cool with them changing the battle system. And I would seriously question how much I would be able to enjoy a Pokemon game that doesn't have, like, War moves and the types and well, like the like physical, special, or status and and all that. Like for them to completely revise that, I wouldn't even consider it like a core Pokemon game anymore. I th I think that that's just too central to what makes a Pokemon game a Pokemon game. So I that could potentially cause me to lose interest quite a bit. So I, I don't think they were. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they were talking about removing types and. Um... Uh, you know, the, the attack and special attack stats and see it was mainly just that they were adding ability to block instead of attack and no? No, S simplified and made like Pokemon Tournament. So it's grab. What was it? Grab? Uh, it's, it's tackle, It would be more no. like it would be more like Digimon World than Pokemon Tournament. Has anyone here played Digimon World who could explain that to us? <laughs> yeah, I have. So in, in Digimon World or the other Digimon games, they're all slightly different, but I'll give you the, the, the premise here is it's like a little bit of an open world, except they're like exits and entrances that load into other areas. It's not like this huge open world. I would say it's more like, I don't know if you've ever played Monster Hunter, like areas have load, like quick little loading screens in between, but the areas are pretty big. When you're in an area, you can see the actual Digimon walking around, and if you get close enough, it'll initiate a battle. And that battle will then take place... It, it does what Pokemon does, so it, like, it takes you to almost like a separate screen, but you kind of kind of see the scenery in the background. So if you're, like, surfing on water, it's like a water background. But if you're in, like, a volcano, it's like a rock background and stuff. Uh, and in that, it makes it 3D like Pokemon Tournament, but you, you have, like, a ring... That you're in like a like an actual ring and your digimon will auto attack at that point but you can look at like a, a menu of things you can do so just like in pokemon let's say you have like attack run i think actually in digimon you have a run i think it's like attack items like special and then run I didn't play much of Digimon. It's not. It wasn't great, and I'll tell you why. It was because the battle system was not fun to use. But your Digimon will will auto battle, and then as it's auto battling, it's filling up a meter for like special. But while you're doing that, you can give it commands to do like, hey, use uh whatever your signature is, headbutt, and it will eventually do headbutt depending on its momentum because it might be mid auto attack, so it can't do headbutt, but it'll get around to headbutt. And then there's also the thing where 
oh, it might not love you enough, so it might just ignore you and keep doing whatever it's doing. Um, but that's pretty much the battle system. It's super simple. It's just like, I'm going to issue commands. Eventually, you'll do those commands. You'll move on your own. Uh, you can dodge on your own, but I'm going to tell you to dodge if I think something's happening. You're still kind of picking from a menu like you are in Pokemon. The only difference is, like, there is, like, auto-attack, so both creatures are auto-attacking, and then at some point, bigger so, moves happen. Yeah, it sounds similar to that Monster Hunter... What was it? Monster Hunter... Stories? With the stories. writers. Stories. I, I think it's... hated that. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I think I would... If it was if it was like that, I would be on uh, certainly in the same wavelength as well. I don't think it would work well. Not in that it wouldn't work as a game, but I think it would be so very different to Pokemon that it wouldn't be the same for a lot of people. Which they may consider a good thing, they may not, I don't know. Um, but I think the key thing that would be the difference that would make it bad for me is the lack of turn-based. So turning it into a real-time battling system, I think would completely change how Pokemon is. I'm definitely up for changes, um, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, there are certainly some things that can be improved. I don't think that it's a perfect system. Um, when I heard about the blocking, I thought that that was an interesting one, taking basically taking away things like Protect, which would be just an, an attacking move, but it's not an attacking move, and replacing that with a, a block that I guess you could say it could sometimes fail, but most of the time it wouldn't. Um, but you obviously can't attack when you're using block. I think that certainly would have some merit. I think that could work quite well. But I think for me to to be to have the same vision as what the other games have, it has to be turn based. Personally, you ready for my hot take on this? Hot take. Hot take. All right. As some people may well know. It is very well established that battling is literally my least favorite part of Pokemon games. So they can change the battle system all they want, and I probably won't care. I would be <laughs> I would be very surprised if they changed it super significantly, just because it's kind of hard to get away from like 20 years of essentially the same thing you know what i mean like it's one thing to completely change something that came from the generation before but something that's been eternally basically the core component of the games for the entirety of their existence is a little bit of a stretch to me i wouldn't necessarily be surprised if there were some changes that are big changes but not as big as these rumors kind of imply, if that makes sense. I don't know if that made sense. I wouldn't be surprised if if these rumors are true, and take it with a grain of salt, I don't necessarily think they're true, but whatever. Um, whatever floats your boat, man. But if they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they're being mm. very exaggerated, if that makes sense. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say was one of the things they mentioned in the article was that the person or whatever they got the source yeah. um, like had gotten a few things right previously. And what stuck out in my mind is that seemed a lot like cold reading. Do you know what cold mm -hmm. reading is? You can explain it for some people that don't for our listeners. That's when somebody says, oh, hey, I'm a psychic. And then they come in and they start like saying, 
I have a feeling of the presence of an older gentleman who had a child. And then somebody in the audience is like, oh, I had a father. And then he like goes in on them and he's like, oh, and it seems like this father was kind of mean. And the person's like, no, my father was very sweet. And then the, the psychic will go, oh, oh, he was mean at work, but sweet to his family. And like saying things that are like, sufficiently vague yet specific that they could probably <laughs> be true for a lot of things and then what happens is the people who are listening are like that's so true this guy must really be psychic because he said something that sounded true even though if you actually look at the statement it was pretty vague and then they adjust over time to kind of fit the situation so, like, anybody can get a few things through if you know enough about Pokemon to say things that are like, it's probably pretty likely that something along these lines is going to happen. And then you sound like you were right all along when it, they actually come out with something. And it's like, mm, yes, the game did have Pokemon <laughs> in it. <laughs> you can't see it right now, but I am, like, vigorously shaking my head because that's exactly how I feel about all of these rumors. They just come across to me as like, oh, we're going to say that there's going to be a, a rat Pokemon in the next <laughs> generation. And it's like, that's not shocking. Like, Wait a minute. I'm having a vision. <laughs> I think in the next Pokemon game. Wow. I have a very strong. I can see it in my head. It's like, like, like an avian kind of bird <laughs> image that there will be some sort of bird pokemon in the next pokemon game you hear you heard it for, here wow. first from psychic well <laughs> i had a psychic vision well okay so a couple things i, I will say pokemon has quote uh, whether or not you think it's drastic they have drastically changed the battle system in the past i think the first really really big one was in hoenn when they split special and physical that was a pretty big change to the battle system, and it's how we still play Pokemon games today. It's really weird to go back to, like, Gold and Silver and realize, like, oh, there's not a special physical split. But, Steve, for the vast majority of people, is it drastic? Or is it only to actually care about these things? That's a good point. This is exactly what I was trying to say, I think, because, like, I can totally see them changing it in that sort of way, because that change... It was a major change, but it was made within the f within the framework of of the core component. Like it wasn't saying like, "Oh, we're going to completely make this a different style of battling game." It was, "Okay, we're going to make major change to how the stats that have always been there work, but for the most part it's going to stay the same." Yeah. So like kind of like what I was saying, we're like, "I can see them taking a step like separating separating blocking from actual like moves i can see something like that and that also exists in like final fantasy where you have your moves but then you also have just a like block slash pass turn yeah. yeah that is the kind of change i think they would make if they made a change i do not think period they would do a complete rehaul of their battle system to something entirely new well, and also that move to add in or the separation of uh, special and physical, that was like increasing complexity, much like evolution. Things move towards increasing complexity and specialization and not decreasing complexity <laughs> and simplification. I, I right? just wouldn't, so if you make something... I just wouldn't call that a minor change 
whether people not whether people are did or did not realize it at the time is I just wouldn't call the special physical split like a a simple slash minor change. Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's a minor. Sorry, I'm not saying it's a minor change. I think it's more that it's less visible to the vast majority of people. If you yeah, if you change it from you. say a turn based system to a real time system, that is different for every single person. But if you change how the stats work out, it just means that the people who actually you know they're they're competitive battlers or whatever they need to figure out some different maths playing with words here because words matter on an audio I podcast think- <laughs> Rochelle words matter <laughs> what um I think kind of how I draw the distinction is that they may be making a major change but it's not going to be a drastic change does that make sense yeah yeah we can go down the list of, like more changes they introduced a brand new type after what 15 years yeah. fairy uh which I think is also a major change. I don't think that's minor. I think that did, act, I think more so than the physical and special sl- split, people were upset about that. I don't know if you guys remember this person named Travis, uh, but they were very upset a new type was being added to the game at the time because of the complexity of it. And little did we know that like a game like Sun and Moon helped fix that complexity by telling you if super effective moves or not very effective moves would actually pay off against the Pokemon you're fighting. Obviously, you have to fight that Pokemon once, but after that, they have addressed something like that. Because 18, is it 18 types now, are real hard to remember sometimes. Uh, Across 804 Pokemon, or however many we're at, 807 Pokemon, I think. So that was also what I would consider like a major change. Uh, I think Mega Pokemon and Held Items was a major change. I think adding abilities was a major change. Uh, And I think Z-Moves was a major change. That Pokemon, like Game Freak, and the producers and everything have went on record saying they were really worried about adding Z-Moves to the game because they weren't sure if fans were going to like it or not. And then they actually said, you know, in interviews and stuff, that they were really relieved... I think is the word they used, relieved and excited that fans liked Z-moves. So, like, while this rumor also said, like, Z-moves were coming back, which, going to Will's point, no surprise, why would they get rid of Z-moves after everything they've worked on and said in the last two years of the Sun and Moon cycle, would they get rid of it all of a sudden? (laughs) It just seems contradictory of we're, we're going to change the battle system because that's what the rumor says. But also we just we as Game Freak went on record saying we're really happy with the changes we made in Sun and Moon. And we were really worried about those changes. And we were we ourselves were like, maybe we shouldn't do these. But they did it. And I think it paid off. I don't think I've met a single person that didn't like Z moves. But that's a whole nother conversation. I'm just saying that, like, we have this rumor and then we have these interviews that are that are from the source and they don't line up together at all in a in a w- good way it just just seems like there are two fighting concepts at this point it's almost as if these are rumors that probably aren't true yeah but i think they're important to talk about because a, a lot of people in the pokemon world are talking about them on top of we don't have anything else to talk about <laughs> Oh, absolutely. No, I agree 100%. It's 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 news because it exists. Absolutely. No, I totally agree that it's very important to talk about because, like, even if it isn't true, like, first of all, it's fun to talk about rumors. Like, 
And second of all, like, it's important to people, so you talk about it. I just think personally with rumors, one thing that kind of gets me is that people automatically go to, oh my gosh, this is true. It's going to be the best slash the worst thing ever. Whereas, like, I think just my personal preferences is I'd rather have a conversation that, like, takes the rumors and says, okay, this is what the rumors are saying. How do we feel about, like, let's have a discussion about what we would want out of a new battle system instead of just being excited or or upset about the idea of a new battle system. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and if you if you put it that way, I would be excited if there was a block slash pass turn in a Pokemon game because there are some times in a Pokemon game I don't want to do anything <laughs> and, like, I don't want to waste one of my moves on just, like, a protect or a detect or yeah. whatever. Oh, man. Can you imagine how great a pass would be for shiny hunting? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it would be pretty great, yeah. I would be so on board for that. Obviously, I, I, I brought up the idea of, of just adding that, and I think that, I think that would be a, a great thing for them to add. Um, apart from anything, when you're on that screen in a battle... The button you press to get to protect, it says attack. That doesn't make any sense because you're not attacking. So yeah, the, this concept of removing the attacks that don't actually attack, I love that idea. But I would also say I'm open to changes for the battle system, but please, whatever they do, just don't make it like go. That is the worst battle system in a Pokemon game. Oh, Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's really bad. So bad. It's... oh. Just so terrible. I hate it. I love battling in the main series games, and I almost never do it in Pokemon Go. I only do it if, to get some coins or to catch the legendaries. That's it. I don't really care too much about battling in Pokemon games. I mean, like, I like... that. It's weird to say, too, because, like, I enjoy going through the story and battling, but there's a certain point that hits me when I'm playing through a Pokemon game where I just don't want to battle NPCs anymore. I don't want to battle another Golbat that you have in this cave. And as soon as we're done with the battle, I'm going to run into like three more Golbats. I think the battle system, battle system in Pokemon games are rewarding. I think that they can be challenging. I think it's cool when you get past those challenges. I wanted to add, add to what you were saying is like, Part of the problem of battling NPCs in Pokemon games is that they always do these runs where all the NPCs have the same Pokemon yeah. over and over and over again. And if they would just like diversify that, it would probably make the battling better. And and to compare it to Pokemon Go, like I don't feel there's a, like a there's a payoff. Like when you go to a raid and everyone's tapping on your phone, my typical icebreaker is like, "Oh boy, this is really innovative," and everyone laughs <laughs> because it's not. It's just people talk. It's like tapping their screen as fast as possible. And really, you don't need to tap as fast as possible because there's always, like, I don't know how long it takes. It, like, takes uh, most moves, like, um, 1.2 seconds or something to actually trigger. So tapping as fast as possible isn't really increasing damage like people think. It's just very, very It makes them feel better, though. Yeah, it makes them feel better. It makes them feel like they're doing something because they're tapping faster than everyone else, but... I, yeah, I would, I would like to, I, I wouldn't mind to see changes to the battle system, but that's, that's not why I come to Pokemon games anymore. Uh, and I, I'm sure that's why some people come to Pokemon games, but you also have like, the, there's so many, there's so many different kinds of Pokemon players. You have the people that come and they just play through the story, and as soon as they're done, they put it down once they beat the Elite Four. 
You have people that come and they want to collect all the Pokemon. You have people that want to take that even further and not only collect all the Pokemon they can, but, you know, try to collect a complete Ligaving Dex. You have people that want to not only do all that, but Shiny Hunt. Actually, some people who Shiny Hunt don't even care about, like, completing the Pokedex. They just want Shiny Pokemon. You have people like Will, who is super into, into a, uh, berries for some reason. I used to be. <laughs> used yes, to when be. you could farm them, yes. Uh, there are people that are super into breeding. There are people that, that I'm sure there are people that are into Mantine Surf, maybe Mantine Surf. I don't know who they oh, are. But oh heck yeah, <laughs> me. love I it. I am so me much. Me too. It's if so If I could high five you through the internet, I'd be high fiving you right now. I, I Mantine Surf like every day, at least once a day. Literally one of the best parts of the whole game. <laughs> but out of all of that, I think the battle system is something that has something currently has so much care. And so much thought put into it. And it is something that Game Freak and the Pokemon Company and Nintendo sh is, should be. And they probably are extremely proud of. Because it is very, very complicated. And it works extremely well across 800 different monsters. And however many moves there are. However many abilities there are. However many held items there are. There's so many factors that go into the current battle system. That it would almost just be, I would be fine with them changing it. They've done, they've done dramatic changes in like Final Fantasy to the battle system. But like Pokemon's battle system is something to be really, really proud of. And it would just be weird if they quote unquote simplified it like Digimon World, what this, what this article is, what these rumors are saying, because it just kind of gets rid of. 20 years of something that's been actively worked on to be improved and to be bettered 100 i will say 100 percent. i agree with you and i mean like i said earlier something in the battle system is not working for me right now like i genuinely don't enjoy it and so i wouldn't mind if they changed it up to try and like make a change that would like personally get me more interested in battling again so i'm not opposed to it but i will also say like we're not talking talking about like how do I word this? The people making these games aren't a bunch of twelve year olds just going, "Oh hey, you know what would be fun." These are like adults who it is literally their job to make the best game possible, and I would be shocked if they weren't all like very personally invested in Pokemon, and like if they're going to make a change, I trust them to make a change that they think will be for the best. I don't know. I applied for a job at TPCI and they, uh, the first question <laughs> they asked was, do you like Pokemon? I said, ah, I love Pokemon. And they said, we can't hire you. Please leave. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. I think we've, I think we've shared our thoughts on these rumors. We'll get nothing but rumors for the next however many months. So we'll continue to talk about them and talk them out because I think like, once you talk these out, you kind of take a step back and see the bigger picture instead of just getting excited or angry at them. Uh, but I think we took a step back, took a look at it. We're going to take a step back and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. So we'll be right back. What is a Nidoran supposed to be? It's a mix of porcupine, a rabbit, dinosaurs, mouse, whales, jackalope, probably a horse, and hamster. Porcupine, a rabbit, dinosaurs, mouse, whales, jackalope, 
probably a horse. Yeah, but then, like, what is... But then, what are, like, what But then, what is a Nidoran supposed to be? Porcupine. A rabbit? Dinosaurs. Mouse. Whales. Jackalope? Probably a horse. And hamster. Porcupine. A rabbit? Dinosaurs. Mouse. Whales. Jackalope? Probably a horse. And hamster. And we are back from our break. Let's talk about Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Uh, you guys have heard my thoughts on Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. If you listen to A Level Vacation, I might have a couple more thoughts, but I talk too much as it is. Let's use this time to talk about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and not how wrong I might have been in Alola Vacation. I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that progresses any conversation here. I know I was wrong on a couple things. I also played those games extremely quickly. Uh, I played one game extremely slowly and one game extremely quickly. And the game I played slowly, I was already like too far deep into Alola Vacation to correct stuff. So we can start off there. Whatever you guys want. I don't know. It's a, it's an open pick, book. Pick somebody to start because we're all a bunch of firecrackers. We can't go, yeah. all go off at once. Open forum. Let's start with Al. Let's start with Al. Let's start with the European. Let's start with the PAL versions of Ultra Sun and Ultra <laughs> Yeah. Um, I liked it. I think that there were a lot of good changes from Sun and Moon. Was it worth being a new game compared to just what they should have done in the first games? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't regret buying it, and I bought the second version, so either I'm a complete and utter sucker, or it was worth it. Oh, I, I had a list of so many thoughts when I was playing through the games that I've now just not got in front of me, but I think there was a lot of little changes that were quite nice, and a lot there were a few bits and pieces that were added, like the the, the, the Cantonian gym um, do they actually say Cantonian in the in the game, or is that they something do. we've they just do. made? They no, do. No. Okay. Yeah, that's not something we've just made up. <laughs> I think that was quite a nice touch. I like how they did it in such a way that it was clear they didn't know enough, and so you were if you if you pay attention, there are things that are wrong about it, about what they say, about how gyms work, which I just really like because obviously that's how the real world works. Like if you talk about, for example, Chinese food in the West, it's it's not Chinese food at all. It's just what we have as a preconception should be. You telling me, Al, that Outback Steakhouse is not authentic Australian cuisine? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it kangaroos? <laughs> oh, man. Al doesn't even know what Outback Steakhouse is. I, I have is. heard of it. I've obviously never been because I don't live in America. But No, but I, yeah, I, but I also think that Al's... Uh, uh, metaphor was was probably the most accurate. It's like the the food that you get from Chinese restaurants is not like the food that people would eat every day in China. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like like when I go to the when I go to the the, the Chinese grocery, which I tend to frequent um, more than probably most people, uh, there's no General Tso's on the shelf for me to buy because that's not real Chinese food. Yeah. So I li I liked that little. Thing. There were a few bits and pieces that aren't in the game anymore that I, I can't remember what they were, but there were a couple of things that I hated in the first game and they're, aren't, they're not there anymore. Yeah, no, I think all, all in all, I, I like it as a game. Um, I think it's better than Sun and Moon. Rochelle, what are any general thoughts? Obviously, well, we're not going to get like one thought and move on because things will be brought up, but what are your, what is your, what is your hot take? I'm going to start this by, I need you guys to believe me that Sun and Moon and Ultra 
are my favorite Pokemon games, and that Generation 7 is my favorite generation. Just everything I say from now on, (laughs) I need you to believe me that this is my favorite, okay? Just, it's not going to seem like it, but it's true. Just keep that in the back of your mind. All right, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, on a scale of one to eight, how how much of my opinion do you want? Because I have a lot to say. Seven, please. Seven? seven? Okay. No, world of no sevens. <laughs> it's a seven world now, Steve. All right. Um, Let's hear it. The quick and short version, for those of you who are about to t- tune me out, um, is that I didn't necessarily dislike Ultra, but I actually I think the way I explained it to some people earlier was that I would rather have Sun and Moon with select pieces of Ultra added in, and that to me would be the ideal version of this generation, but on the whole, because there are a lot of things, a lot of small things in Ultra that just really, really irritated me, I genuinely liked just Plain vanilla sun and moon significantly better. I can go down a laundry list of all my issues if you like. First and foremost, and I think probably the biggest thing for me that I want to address is that there are a lot of story changes in Ultra, which I know a lot of people really enjoyed. And I did really enjoy the story of Ultra a lot, but... (sighs) It was so frustrating to me. I'm trying to think of a way to say this that isn't going to make me sound like super just Re- angry Release the reason. floodgates because guess what? I'm going to top you. So okay. no matter what you say, you, I, you're, you're one pancake. I am unlimited pancakes <laughs> at IHOP. So go I mean, for it. Number one issue for me is that all of the story that they cut from this game is all women just like straight up all of the women's stories get cut there's not really any men's stories that get cut men's stories get added but not cut in big ways like in the way that they just completely cut and butchered the story between lily and lucamine which i can i can go off on all the reasons that makes me super super angry but like big things like that, all the way down to small things like like in the Elite Four, they had the time to add in extra scenes with Molaine to give Molaine character development, but we literally couldn't get anything for Kahili. Like really? I, I, I still like that, but I, I only like that because I like how mysterious Kahili is and everyone thought they were going to finally add stuff for her and they didn't. But like, I see your point. I just like that. Not every character needs to be fleshed out, and Pokemon does a poor job at fleshing out most characters, but it seems like they've they've kept Kahili purposely vague, and I kind of like that about her. Okay. I don't, I don't so, know. But I get your point. Yeah. Like, my issue isn't necessarily, like, this is a vague character. The issue is that it's the choice in who to elaborate on, where pretty much universally... With very, very little exception, they expanded on men's stories and did not expand upon 
and or completely cut out women's stories. And that is so incredibly frustrating and infuriating, which is a thing I know a lot of people really didn't think about, but it just drove me crazy the entire time. I'm extra triple angry about the Lily and Lucamine story. I know in Alola Vacation, because like Micah had talked about how he kind of liked. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like just like call out Micah. Like nah, Micah, throw him under the bus. Bus him. <laughs> but, but like he talked about how he kind of liked that they took out the sort of like parental abuse storyline between Lily and Lucamine a lot and kind of defanged it. And I actually really hated that because, first of all, I know it's like kind of like a scary and dark topic, but children deal with that every day in the real world. Like that's not necessarily something you need to shield children from because they already experience it. And I it was one of my favorite parts of Sun and Moon because I think it's so important to give children a piece of media that can kind of show them like, hey, sometimes adults will do this to you and it's not okay. And you should tell somebody, get help, do something about it because it's not okay. And that's a really important and powerful message to give to children. And then when they changed it in Ultra, first of all, they cut almost all of that story out. So it's all meaningless anyway. But then the resolution of it is also, it is literally, like I'm not even exaggerating, it's literally Oh, hey, yeah, we talked about it off screen and everything's okay now. It's all fine. And that is such a horrible, it's bad writing and it's a bad message that like, oh, yeah, all you need to do to figure out abuse is just talk it out with your abuser. Like, A, that's not okay. And B, the way they changed the story, they definitely shifted this focus to like from Lucamine being just a horrible person to, oh, she may be horrible, but she's trying to save the world. Like, she she has good intentions, and the message it kind of sends is, abuse is okay if you're, if you have good, good intentions. And I do not like that. It makes me super angry, and it just completely ruins a story that was so great to begin with for no reason. Like, honestly, I think the story of Ultra and the story of Lily and Lucamine from original Sun and Moon could have been easily combined without cutting all of that stuff. And it's just so frustrating to me that they didn't do that. I would have hated that only because like that, <laughs> no, everything you said, I completely agree with, but I already thought that middle part was long enough. So they obviously needed to cut something because they added the ultra stuff, but I still think that whole part is way too long, and you know me, I don't care about story. I think it's I think it's fun, the first time going through, to like quickly get the story. Where I was at at that point of the game was like, okay, let's get this over with, I want to get the lead four, I want to start working on other things. I wish they would have cut more, not necessarily like the stuff you said that they did cut, I just don't know how... It's hard, right? It's hard to... Yeah make a such a story driven section of the game not feel exhausting for people who don't care that much about the story but also like for the people who might be okay with the story to like keep their attention long enough it's like really hard i'm not like disregarding what you say i just 
No, I just just think that part is already long. That part would be so, 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 so much longer if they kept both the Lily and her mom stuff and add the ultra stuff. I don't disagree with you. And like, I know I totally understand that. Like, I mean, they're never going to be able to make something perfect that satisfies everybody. And I don't expect that at all. Like, that's just the way of the world. But I'm still going to critique it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm st- because I still have feelings about the way they made it. I know. I think people understand where you're coming from. I think those are super fair points. I think those were overlooked. I mean, I think I remember what I said was, <laughs> I'm glad this was shorter because I was already exhausted the first time and I didn't want to be exhausted again. See. Because I was having I- so much fun with it that, like, that part just reminded me of how much I, like, I like the story. I think the topics are super important. It's really funny when people are, are like, why are you guys so serious? It's just a kid's game. And it's like, did we play the same game? Did you not understand what the story was trying to convey? That's super frustrating because it is a very important topic. But when I was getting to that part and I was anticipating it, I was just like, it's. I remember like I, I played The Last of Us and I absolutely loved The Last of Us. It's one of my favorite games it was a really good memory of me with me because Irene and I, we played it together. She watched the whole thing. I wasn't allowed to play unless Irene was there because she wanted to see the story plan out. And that story is extremely dark and it's really good and it's really great. And I absolutely love that game. I never want to play The Last of Us again. I don't want to play The Last of Us <laughs> 2. I don't want to go back to that world. Uh, it was as much as I love that game. I just don't want anything to do with it. And that's how I felt with the storyline in Sun and Moon. Well, the Lily and Lucimine storyline. I totally get it, but I just don't want to go back to it. So for me, going through that, I was like, oh, here we go. Family issues. Okay, okay, click, click, click. Yep, I get it. And I had to go through it twice because I played both games. But as it was already too long for me the second time. It was not cool. It was not cool that they cut it down, but I was just like, okay, we're out of there. We're finally out. Let's keep going. Yeah, like I kind of said earlier, I do not expect Game Freak to make games. There is no way, there will never be a way to satisfy both Steve and me at the same time with a game because I don't know. (laughs) I'm the polar opposite. Like, Like I said, I'm not into battling. So like for me, most of my enjoyment from the games comes it comes from the story it comes from the world and and things like reading the pokedex and talking to npcs and like the immersion of the world of the game which includes the story and so steve steve doesn't want to hear it and <laughs> just wants to catch pokemon and that's fine and i'm the extreme opposite where i i just want to get all the story possible and there's no way to like fully satisfy both of us with that my ideal quantity of story will be way too much for steve and that's fine like that's just the way it is so here's here's a thing for you right if you're you've recently started playing the new zelda game and when now i I don't want to get into the the story about that but i want to get into one of the mechanics that i think could help improve this situation now when you are playing through the game and you might not have noticed this because you're I assume that when you come to the cutscenes, you're quite invested in them. You're enjoying watching them, you know, the memories and that sort of thing. But if you 
are uh, not paying attention to them, you may notice there's actually a button to skip through them. Um, and if you press that button, the cutscene's gone, and you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about it. You can always go. I think with the memories, you can go back to them and view them if you want. But yes, I think having that sort of mechanic would allow the story to be longer, but also while people, especially if they've already played through the game once, people like Steve, to be able to skip through the cutscenes the next time they go through the game. I will agree with that. My fun in Zelda was just exploring that world and doing my own thing. It was not the story at all. But some people like that. Yeah, I, be- I bet you noticed the-, the skip button, didn't you, Steve? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched the first one and I was like, mm, nah, this is not for me. <laughs> See you later, story. <laughs> and that's the thing. And those who are enjoying the story aren't going to notice the skip button. Those who aren't enjoying the story are going to notice it and click it. And I think that really worked quite well. Um, certainly to start with, I was watching through them, but the kind of more end game ones, I was noticing the skip button and going, oh, yeah, no, let's get rid of this bit. I noticed the skip button every time. I just never press it. <laughs> All right. All right. Ruin my point then. Why don't you? <laughs> but no, no, I totally agree that like, I think that would be a phenomenal change to the games. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. You well, can skip a whole anything different... in Pokemon, right? You can just press A as fast as possible, but cutscenes Yeah, you, you can't, can't even, can't even skip the credits now. And, and also, I'm not going to lie. While I would probably be mostly okay with it, I would be secretly bitter. Probably I'd be like, how come you guys can skip the story, but I can't skip the battling? Come on. <laughs> Not fair. Let's give Will some room to breathe here, Will. Let me, let me hear something. No, I'm going to suck all the air out of the room is what I'm going to do. I, I Obviously, I've given a lot of thought to how I could succinctly phrase my feelings about Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. And I think what I got to... Uh, after giving it a lot of thought, is uh, if there was somebody out there whose goal in life uh, was to make it so that I hate Pokemon and never want to play Pokemon ever again, uh, they would have made Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. This game was so atrocious to me that not only did I not like it, and I'm saying like overall, right? There's bits and pieces in there that I still enjoy. But not only do I not like it, it went back in time and made me dislike Sun and Moon. So that's like an incredible achievement. It actually took pleasure away from a past experience for me. Yes, I'm I'm very and, and, and as you know, right? Because when I got to certain points, I started text storming you about how angry I was yeah, about yeah, yeah. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I was there for you. <laughs> no, you, you were there to laugh at me yeah. <laughs> for caring so much. But I just think, like, after playing through Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, the feeling that I came away with, and, and obviously this is 100% speculation, Will Anderson's perception, but that they said they realized whatever project manager out there was project managing Sun and Moon got to a realization in not the great year of Luigi, but the year of Pokemon 20, that with the timetables that they were working with, they would not be able to deliver Sun and Moon as fully fleshed out as they wanted it in uh, 2016, Mm -hmm. right? What they said was, this is Pokemon 20. We have to get a game out. Let's just cut corners, chop it down, reduce it, and get something out to market. And then after they did that, they said, okay, we've bought ourselves some time. Now let's 
do all the things that we actually wanted to do in original Sun and Moon. We'll call it Ultra Sun and Moon. But in doing that, they then had the realization of, well, we've used that good story because obviously the script was already written for Sun and Moon. They didn't have to chop that down. They just had to chop out functionality and features and things like that. So we can't use that story exactly again. So let's create some completely non-sequitur, nonsense, meaningless. If you actually pay attention to what's happening, they actually don't explain anything clearly or well. And But we'll get all those other features in. We'll call it Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, sell it 364 days later. And... Like I think one of the yeah, texts that they the, sent you. St- real quick, this was the quickest we've gotten a Pokemon game after another Pokemon game. Yeah, and and I think the text that I sent to you was, I feel like I spent eighty dollars for one game because it's it's really like there. It Ultra Sun Ultra Moon is what with all the features that we're supposed to have. Sun and Moon was the story that we were supposed to have, and both of them are just pretty crummy by not having the complete package all in one like they were expected to. And it's just like, you know, just a very quick list of things that uh, that I found was, you know, the, uh, for me, the Necrozma plot made zero sense. I had no idea, like, what the people in the Ultra Space had done to either make Necrozma unhappy or whatever that the, he had left and it had left and this, that, and whatever. What? But the whole thing of what Necrozma's goals what were or Furfru, motivation. Will? What happened to Furfru? I agree. I agree. There were, I, I think, just unexplained plot holes or so poorly explained plot holes. It was like literally like somebody said, oop, look at that. Somebody write a sentence to try to explain it. Lusamine was cryogenically freezing Pokemon. You walk in the room. There's a Pikachu frozen, there's a Slowpoke frozen, you walk in there later, they're all taken away, and everybody's like, oh yeah, we forgive. No, I do not forgive Lusamine. No, you nasty yes. lady, go to jail. You nasty lady. She doesn't, she doesn't even send... Oh wait, that's... You can't talk about that. <laughs> Just in the overall, like, obvious, like, fact that this was, like, the the things that were so clearly should have been caught in even like beta testing of the game that weren't caught. And the, like the one thing that like was the knife in my heart, when you finally get to Pony Island and you're walking around in the docks, there is literally a Cabrawler that you walk up to and it responds as a Corsola. And there is, uh, what's the other one? The water mud guy. Um, shoot. Water mud guy. Mud Gastrodon. 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 <laughs> There's a Gastrodon that you walk up to and it responds as a slow poke. And I'm like, you reprogrammed two Pokemon overworld Pokemon, made them so that people could talk to them, but you didn't change the dialogue boxes so that they would actually be the dialogue boxes of the actual Pokemon? And and that's just like there's little things like that that are throughout the game that it's just like made it so it's so careless. And I want I I just expect so much more from Game Freak and the people making the Pokemon games. That that just really aggravated me so much that obviously I'm extremely unhappy. <laughs> and then like and and I will put my stamp on it. This is my least favorite generation. And 
if I still wasn't interested in competitive stuff, I probably would put these games down and not touch them again. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. I mean, obviously, I don't agree that it's the worst because I think it's the best generation. <laughs> I also, I also, for for the record, I also think it's my favorite generation as well. But go on. But I told, and I think you said a lot better what I was trying to express a bit earlier, where like all of the additional stuff in Ultra didn't feel, it doesn't feel like a whole game. And I think that's what I was trying to get at when I was saying that like, I feel like I would have preferred regular Sun and Moon with some pieces of Ultra. And I think that the idea of Ultra not being a complete game really gets at that. Where like, to me, all the story, first of all, you're totally right about like all the problems with the story of Ultra, just flat out, you're correct. But even with those issues, that entire story would have been so much better as like, post-game DLC, honestly, is kind of how I feel. Agree. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not mad about it. I mean I'm a little mad about it, but like I would tolerate that if it was post-game, if it was just like, oh, and also you get to visit Ultra's space after you complete the post-game of regular Sun and Moon. That I would be fine. But on its own, it's it's not enough and it cuts out all the good parts. Not in a way that like in this really, really sort of like half-hearted way, it would have been so much better if they completely cut the story of original sun and moon, but instead they kind of like half cut it and just left the sad leftover remnants of the story and then tried to put some pretty icing on top with a half-finished story and it just came across as so... Yeah, let's be, let's be honest. They didn't have time to do any of that. It's kind of like less I than was a, a fan. year to make a quote unquote new game is not enough time for anyone. <laughs> it's kind of like I was a fan of Twilight and I wrote fanfic and just changed the characters and made it so that they're not vampires anymore. Oh, wait, somebody did that and made a lot of money. <laughs> but also, one thing I forgot high crime, highest crime. If I could find the person who made this decision, what I happened would, to Farfra? No, I would make it so it looked like that they had committed murder, so that they could go to jail for this. You, let me let me take a breath. Hold on, I'm a little flustered now. It's okay. You I do feel not it. in a Pokemon game. You do not make a story point where you cannot progress unless you can master. Mm-hmm some form of motion control. This, uh, this is not a platformer. This is not a twitchy kind of... It, the fact that you can't get forward unless you can actually do the little wormhole thing with motion controls, So that is so not Pokemon. That is so wrong. I think if you fail it, you can actually then go to Game Freak and change it. Oh, yeah, really? That's, Were that's those instructions in the thing. game? Uh, n- no. <laughs> no, I agree with Will on this one. I'm just saying, though, I think that that is possible to change it. Uh, you have yeah, to do it no, once with motion no way control, that you but can as soon as you fail, no you, you know can that, change Oh, no, it. no, no, no. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But but even t- take out the word motion control. The fact that it is a, a dexterity-based activity that you have to be able to achieve to progress the story forward, uh, 
no that's i mean not yeah Pokemon. i i think it, i think more the motion control part sucks but just like in any game if you have difficulty mm. you look it up and somebody's gonna tell you, you like, shouldn't have do this go there do this equip this item do that okay, level up take grind. it take it take it back if i had parkinson's disease and my hands were shaky and good lord i'm 44 who knows in 16 years i may i wouldn't have been able to accomplish that and i would have had to put the game down and said well i guess i can't f- finish this pokemon game because i can't get to the portal I don't, know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's that big of a deal because again if you're stuck in any kind of game your default is to ask somebody for help or to go online and look it up and some people are going to say I don't want to have game to talk freak. to people to play my video games. I um, hate people. If we're, if we're talking let's let's purely talk about the motion control and the changing to the circle pattern. I I totally agree with Will on the on the point about that that isn't good enough. But let's just talk about that for a second, right? And sure, I like the fact that there's the setting there to turn it off. I'm glad that you can do that. However, you have to either, as you say, go on to the internet and find out, or go back and talk to someone that you've already talked to. You've already been to Game Freak, right? And the only person that gives you any indication that you need to come back is, um, I think there's someone that says, uh, your usual, you know, getting the... The decks. Yeah, completing the decks, right. So you know there's one person you need to go back and talk to. You're not going to go back and talk to the other people. In terms of design, this is absolutely terrible design. You should never have to have an external thing to tell you how to do something in a game unless it is specifically a puzzle game, right? To tell you, oh, you can change, you can turn off the motion controls by going to a random building that you've already been to and talked to everyone in and there was no indication before as to how to do it. That's dreadful design. I agree it's bad design. They should have had the person outside the wormhole. You should have been able to talk to uh, Josie or Fico. Uh, and one of them should be like, hey, do you want to change the way you play this minigame? Which, uh, while I hate the motion control, I do realize that I think the minigame is super fun, but continue your point, Will. So, so uh, for me, it's, it's not about the how, right? It's not about the how you do the dexterity test. It is the fact that I spent so long just trying to get to the ultra city world that I was like, I'm going to have to bring my 3DS to work and ask somebody else to do this for me because I can't do this dexterity puzzle. Even with doing it with the C-Stick, I would not have been able to do it. C-Stick? And, you know, it was just whatever, the little Oh, the, the joystick. circle pad. <laughs> you know, not having I was like, to well, that's why you're failing, Will. You're using the C-Stick. <laughs> <laughs> just because it was a dexterity thing rather than selecting things from a menu, which is what I expect from my Pokemon games. I agree with Will, and I think that was a horrible design choice. I mean, it it would have been perfectly fine for me for them to make it post-game and say, all right, if you want to catch shinies, if you want to catch legendaries, then you have to do this dexterity puzzle. And I would have been like frustrated, whatever, but I've already got a living dex and I don't really care that much about shinies. So everybody else who wants to do it, have fun, have your good times. But to make it that you could not progress in the story without passing a dexterity test is not Pokemon for me. I agree uh, with that. D- just not to change topics or take away from your complaint because it's valid. Uh, did you try it without motion? I'm just curious of what your thoughts were if you turned off motion and tried it. No, I ain't gone back to that. Uh, okay. I I did go back and change it. And I will say it is it is significantly better, but I still don't think it's great. Wow, interesting. I actually love the wormhole stuff. 
I like it a lot because I here here are just my thoughts on wormhole stuff because I didn't get to talk about it in ultrason uh, I didn't talk about it in Lola uh not vacation whatever that series was well whatever my old series was called that I can't remember <laughs> hello from Alola uh yeah uh Alola from Ultrason Ultraman that's what it was called uh I th- out of all the things they added I think the wormhole stuff is good I'm glad they tried something new I think it is a fun way to get legendaries. I think it's a fun way to get Ultra Beast. I like it because it is something that is rewarding and something that you can definitely get better at. There is the the, the distance you traveled, which is a visual inca- indicator of you making progress. Uh, the rings, while they're not how to, it's almost like playing a racing game for the first time. The first time you race on a track, you're not exactly sure where all the turns come in. You're not exactly sure when you should brake, when you should speed up, when you should start drifting. It really felt like that to me. And I, I like that kind of stuff. And so the visual indicator of how far you went was really the topping on the cake of, oh, can I go a little bit farther next time? Can I go a little bit farther next time? Can I go a little bit farther next time? On top of like realizing, Oh, the red ones give me this. The green ones give me this. The white ones give me this. I can just skip the red ones from now on. Uh, so I, I do, I did like everything it does. The motion controls are garbage. We've already discussed that. I did like it with that. And then on top of that, not only does it reward you to get legendaries, not only does it reward you to get ultra beasts, there are five shinies per color. So 20 shinies altogether in these wormholes that have really high encounter rates, I think. If you go five, if you go five thousand light years, light years, and you hit a two ring, I think it goes up to about uh, twelve to fifteen percent chance to encounter. Whether or not you like shinies, you can say you can say like, oh, I'm not into shinies. I don't really care to hunt them, but it is still a pretty good surprise, a pretty exciting thing to have such a high encounter rate for doing something right because you might be going from Mewtwo in green and all of a sudden get a, a Nuzleaf that is shiny and that's really cool like they made I've, I'm always about games respecting your time and I think if anything respects your time more it is the ultra wormhole you kind of know exactly what you're getting into you can aim for certain things you can strive to improve and on top of that you have the chance of getting these legendary Pokemon, you have a chance of getting these Ultra Beasts, and you is more, and you have a chance of getting these shiny Pokemon. Something that is extremely time-consuming the other way, and whether, like I said, whether or not if you encounter a shiny, you're not going to be like, I'm just going to run. I'd rather get a Mewtwo. Like you, you, you probably want to catch that shiny because it's there. It's right there for you. And if you're going to get into shiny hunting. The wormholes are a great way to do that. But again, if you're not going to get into shiny hunting, that's not a conversation we're trying to have right now. It's still very rewarding of your time. But guess what? In all the ways I've said. Guess what? I got news for you. Everybody can get those same 20 shinies, right? Yeah. Everyone can get Mewtwo at the end of the game. Everyone. So so for all of uh, those us who are old uh, Pokemon players, if I see somebody who has one of those shinies, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, that's the cheap, easy to get shiny. I don't know. My shiny Mudsdale. You can say that, but but everything in Pokemon is time and place, right? Like, oh, where did you get that Celebi? Oh, I just happened to get it in Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and I left it in my game for seven years. Like. All Pokemon come down to time and place. Like when I look at those 20 shinies now, because I did take the time to go through it and it's not, it wasn't as easy as maybe you're making it out to be. I mean, it's very easy to get one or two. Absolutely very easy to get one or two. 
But to get all 20 does take some time. And whether or not they're easy, easy they're definitely easier than other shinies. It still is going, I'm still going to look at my Pokemon Bank in 10 years. Gosh forbid Pokemon Bank exists in 10 years and goes, I remember doing that. I remember where I was. I remember that that was over Christmas weekend in 2017. Like those memories aren't going to go away. And that's what Pokemon has always been to me is memories. I remember the Deansei in my box. I remember the Victini in my Pokemon bank. I remember the Durant, the Basculin, the Maractus that were on my team when I participated in the black and white video games. Pokemon to me are just memories. I don't care if they're... It doesn't matter to me if they're shiny or not. The only reason that like the shiny is there is because it's just part of that memory. So... This this is this would be my ask if I, if 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 I was on the development team and they were talking about oh hey we're gonna do this thing where it's easier to get shinies if you go five thousand light years blah 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 and hit this special ring you'll have an easier chance oh and you can soft reset before the encounter so you can just you know if you know that this one has the higher percentage shiny randomize the shinies. Don't make it the same 20 so everybody gets that same 20 and those are like the nickel shinies and everybody else out there has got the $100 shinies that they had as random encounters. Just randomize them and then they're really special because it's like this is the random shiny that I got when I succeeded the wormhole puzzle. Not yeah. It's like, oh, that's the same floatzel. Yeah, we all got the floatzel. Hooray. I mean, you got the floatzel if you put in the work. I totally 100% understand where Steve is coming from. Because on, on paper, I agree with all of those things. On paper, I was very excited for the wormholes because of all of those things. Like, I personally identify as a shiny hunter. Spoilers. It's not a spoiler. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> we all do You've been that. listening to too much. It's super effective. That's why you said that. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're, you're infecting me with your spoiler warnings um, for no reason specifically. Anyway, I'm a shiny hunter. The idea of a way, A, just to get some fun, easy shinies was kind of nice. Just on that level, not going to go into, I also agree with Will's criticisms about the way they chose particular Pokemon for shinies. But without going into that, I was excited for it to be a new, easy way for shining hunting. I was excited for it to be like going to little tiny worlds of ultra beasts because I'm really into the atmosphere of Pokemon games. That's something that's really interesting to me. All of that I loved on paper and I feel like I should have loved in practice and that's part of why I'm so frustrated with it. But for me, I had like, I had the same problem as well where just actually getting through the ultra wormhole tunnel was so frustrating and even after i changed away from the motion controls it still took me i spent probably three or four hours just doing it again and again and again trying to get the hang of it and by the time i got the hang of it i was so frustrated that i literally could not enjoy it anymore. I put the game down. I have not picked it up since. Like, truly, honestly, this is, this is my favorite generation of Pokemon games. I have not touched it in more than a month because the experience of trying to just get through the wormhole to get to the shinies 
to get to the Ultra Beasts was so frustrating because even if it's a skill that you can develop, like I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of it's just something that takes time to get into the mindset to learn how to do like Picross is like that. Like at the beginning of Picross, you're like, what is this nonsense? And then by the end of it, like 35 hours in, you're like, I am so good at Picross. That's just a thing that happens with games. And I'm fine with that. But that process, just in the way they implemented it in this game, was so frustrating. And it didn't have, well, I agree that on paper, it balances out to have a really nice reward for your effort. In practice, for me, it did not because I had a, had such a hard time learning how to get through the wormhole. I couldn't get deep enough in. I couldn't get to the shinies. I couldn't get to the ultra beasts. So I wasn't getting the reward because I was having trouble with the mechanic. And that was just, it worked for Steve because Steve got a hang in the mechanic. And it rewarded Steve. But because I didn't get a hang of the mechanic, I was basically kicked while I was down to the point that I don't want to play the game very much anymore. Even to like collect shinies through non-wormhole methods. And that's my issue with it. And and you know, just to clarify for you, right? It worked for Steve because Steve is good at dexterity games. He plays a lot of dexterity games and he's good at it. So it's just it's naturally easier for But him. I, I think you can make that same argument for like the battle tree. Like some people will never get through the battle tree. I will probably be one of those people because but, it's hard. But the battle tree is not a plot point that you cannot continue the game without going through. And I agree with Will that, like, if they made that all post-game stuff, just, like, whatever, fine, to each their own, like the battle tree. All right, we've strayed from the topic of how cheap those shinies are, and it's really disturbing that Al and Rochelle and I all agree on something, so... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm definitely with Will and Rochelle on this. I, I, I like the game, but I absolutely agree that it should not be... A- a requirement for the main series. And I want, I want to have a, a, just a small analogy. And if you don't understand after this one, fine, we'll just, we'll leave it and let you sit in, in your, your opinions for that. So do you remember the, oh, I can't remember what the name of the game was, but there was the, was it Pokemon Playhouse, which was the, um, really weird kids game that came out a couple of months ago, um, that you, for some reason, ended up streaming and it was really yes. weird. Yeah, do you remember that game? Yeah. So do you remember our big issue with that game? I, did we talk about that? <laughs> we we did talk about it. The big issue with the game was that there are no subtitles and you can't play the game without having the sound and crucially without being able to hear. Now, the big issue with that is not that hearing is bad. It's not that hearing can't add something to the game. It's not that sound can't be useful. It's that every other Pokemon game ever and actually most games full stop allow you to play it without having those skills. Now that's not to say that there's no, there shouldn't be any games that don't have a sound that is integral to the game. Those games can and should still exist because that's just a thing that can, it can happen. But Pokemon specifically is one type of game that has been really good with you don't have to be able to hear. Now I think what the, what, um, Will and Rochelle are saying is that up until this point, 
you, if you don't have any of the dexterity skills, could play this game from menus. There's no time sensitivity to this game. And that is one thing that a lot of people really like about the Pokemon games. Then suddenly, this game comes, that's no longer true. You have There is a time-sensitive, dexterity-based skill game that is introduced in a game that has never had that before. And I think, if I'm understanding correctly, that is the issue here. Like, it's not an issue with them trying something new. The issue is that it comes out of nowhere, you've had no preparation for it, and all of a sudden, it completely stops your momentum because this mechanic that you don't know how to change without asking the internet, out of the blue, is stopping you because it's something you can't I wouldn't do. say it comes out of nowhere because Mantine um, Surf... Mantine Surf it does. does. No, Steve. Mantine it, Surf is more dexterity than Ultra... Or not more, but the same. I'll, I'll give Steve credit on that one. Yeah, that's it true. It is. But the thing is, is that if you're not good with dexterity stuff and you do... You fail the one mandatory Mantine Surf run and never touch it again. And then all of a sudden you hit the same issue, except this time you can't continue. That's a problem. I've got a lighter topic. Did you see the globe in your bedroom at the beginning of the game? Yeah. It's the actual earth. Yeah. And interestingly, neither Hawaii nor Japan are in the field of view at that point in time. There you go. Interesting. So what is the ocean that they show? So you're seeing the Atlantic Ocean. You're seeing uh, between Ah. America and Africa and Europe. So confirmed that it's going to be, Italy is going to be the next region. (laughs) (laughs) Pokemon World is just a dystopian real world, confirmed. I will say, I won't go into my laundry list of other things that frustrated me, because I feel like we've had enough frustration (laughs) this go around. Let's all say something nice about the games. Yeah. I would like to point out some things that I really liked. The biggest one for me is comes in two parts. First of all, I really loved some of the character development they added specifically for Hao. Hao is literally my favorite character in Pokemon ever. And I love that he got some development. He is a cinnamon malasada. But B, I would like to say that as we've established, I don't like battling, but I'm, I'm a lot spoilers. I mean, this has all been spoilers, but spoilers. The champion battle at the end of the Elite Four is against Hao. And that was the first battle I have played in a Pokemon game in probably, probably 10 years that I really, really genuinely enjoyed. It was really enjoyable. It was a little bit challenging. It was fun. And it felt like kind of like super meaningful because like you saw all this development with how and you kind of like have your fun buddy friendship, not really rivalry. And then at the end, you're both at the top. It just it was really great. And I loved it. I'm not going to get in because I did listen to uh, Alola from Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but I think I agree with everyone that having how battle you for the championship made zero 
sense. Oh, no, no, you don't agree with everyone in that case, because I disagree <laughs> with you strongly on that one. You, you, I think it makes absolute sense. You weren't on Alola sense. from Ultra Sun, Ultra oh, right, Moon. Okay, sorry. Oh, no, I thought well, you meant Mike, everyone Mike in general. I thought it made sense. Irene and I didn't. I, I think okay. it makes perfect sense. I agree with Steve sense. and Irene. And I'll tell you I why agree. I think it makes perfect sense, right? G- give, me, give me your extra story narrative of why that makes sense. That's fine. So, my reasoning is purely around the fact that up until this point, right, what happens is you have gone through the Elite Four and then you have beaten the champion to become that champion, right? People are then arguing, oh, but what happens when there isn't an existing champion? You just become the champion when you beat the Elite Four. That doesn't mean that you're the best in the region. So just because I got to, I beat the Elite Four means that I'm better than the person who beats the Elite Four second. That doesn't make any sense. What makes sense to have at the beginning of a, a, a Pokemon League would be that if there's a number of people that all beat it within a certain amount of time, they then battle to find out who is the better of them. Because the point of the champion is to be the best in the region, not just the first that beats these four people. It's to be the best. And you can't be the best if someone's just about to beat you. I'm pretty sure Lance says in Red and Blue, you would be champion right now, but somebody beat you to it, so you have to battle them first. I don't recall how beating me to it. I do accept your explanation as logical. I don't think that they applied that at the in the game at all, and leaving it ambiguous is just makes it frustrating and nonsensical because like literally literally what my point of view was was that how beat everybody in the elite four and then he was told oh wait we've got somebody else in here so just you know you hold on a second and just wait because we can't finish this because we've got somebody else in the room oh wait okay he finished okay now you two go at it and That's literally how every other go. champion has happened in the previous. It's always been a case of, oh, you've beaten the Elite Four. Oh, whoops, no, here's someone else. I think it was just a no, disservice no, 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 to no. how. The, the, yes, exactly. The, yes. I think the printed screen that says you are the first champion of Alola is a smack in the face to Little How. Little How was the first champion of Alola. I was the second. Agreed. Uh, so here's... Like the, maybe and I I'm, think... Sorry. I it's... I'm sorry. It's not. I, I don't think it's like that big of a deal. I like definitely played it up on a little vacation just to play it up. To me, I leading up to those points, it was really exciting because they story wise, the one thing that maybe uh, Rochelle might agree with with me story wise, I think how is the best part. Yes. And while I don't care about the story, it did a really good job at making me care about how a lot more as a rival. And so when they did that, like, slight flip at the end, they did it really subtly, too, that How is now ahead of you for the first time when you go to the cemetery to battle Elima. I thought that was really great. But when they actually got to that story part to, like, flip that, oh, How is now in front of you, I thought that was super great. And at least story-wise, he's in front of you because you were off uh, doing some family problems. That makes sense, too. Um, that maybe he still isn't a better battler than you, but he had more time than you to progress. And then you get up to that point of like, e- they keep teasing it the entire time. How is in front of you? How is in front of you? How is in front of you? And then to not actually let How sit on the throne, I just think is a huge disservice to How. 
as as a player, I'm, I'm I wouldn't have been offended. Like I wouldn't have been offended if I had to battle one other person to become champion because that that's how it's been in every you know other Pokemon game besides Sun and Moon. But even in Sun and Moon, you have to battle one other person. But not not even not offended. What a nice callback to Red and Blue, where your rival is the one who gets there before you and the last person that you battle. Isn't that also in mm-hmm. Gold and Silver though? Too is your rival is at the end. And then isn't Wally you're at the end of Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire or or Emerald or Ruby or whatever those games no, are? I don't remember. No, you battle Wally before going into the Elite Four. Oh, you battle Steven, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Metagross um, guy. Yeah, Metagross guy. Yeah. But the important part there is that those games aren't, I don't know, 20 years old. Generation <laughs> 7 is the celebration of 20 years generation it's it's the entire game has so many callbacks to the progression of the series by referencing the original games and i think that's what's important there that this could have been another really good reference back to the original games it could have been really good development for how it could have it could have been great and it wasn't (laughs) When, and when That's the tagline for Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, right there. It could have been great. When but How it wasn't. was coming up the stairs, I had the biggest smile on my face. And I thought they were going to say but you, but he you, was champion, and they didn't. Yes. And that smile went yes. away. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yep. 100%. 100%. But here's yeah. a question for you Do we actually get told that he beat the Elite Four before you? Because I'm having a quick look in the, the quotes, I can't see that. And also, if he had beaten the Elite before before you, would he not be up there when you got there, rather than him coming up the stairs afterwards? No, I know they, I, they put him in the waiting room. I know, there are, I know there are certain points in the game where you're told he's in front of you, and that's very clear, but here it's not. I think you're reading into this. Here's how I feel about this, though. It is bad storytelling to say, to make, because it's not just like, oh, and he happens to be ahead of me, like, how getting ahead of you is a huge story point. Like, that is How's story. And to completely write that entire story, build it up, and then at the end, to completely cut it short by making the argument, oh, he went second. Like, that doesn't... That's very bad storytelling. My assumption is that he was, he did beat the Elite Four before you because in Sun and Moon, you battle him outside of the Elite Four and then he goes like, oh, I guess I still need practice. And then in yep. this, you don't mm-hmm. battle him. So my my assumption was, well, up to this point, he's been ahead of me. I don't see him before the Elite Four, which is he must be already battling slash going through the Elite Four. It's the same thing they did in Red and Blue. And that like saying that everything needs to copy Red and Blue but it was so frustrating for me as a kid to like walk into a gym and go like, "Oh, my rival's already been here." Like that sucks. And and I was a naive kid, but I was hoping that one gym I would be first, <laughs> and that never happened, of course. But and uh, it's not that big of a deal. In in like it's such a it's such a little thing. But I think the little thing is that like how kind of gets short changed at the end of his story arc. Yeah, I agree. I, I disagree. I take it He's just not as good. <laughs> I take <laughs> well, it personally because Hal is my good. favorite character. And, and I think he, he still gets a lot of um, progression because just... Oh, wait, is this 
pre post credits. No, this is pre credits. <laughs> when you've got when the um, Ultra Beasts come into the world, and there's How and Hala, and Hala lets How yes, go. Yes. That I think is much stronger character development than anything else we've seen or could have seen with him being called the champion. I just he's not he wasn't good enough to be the champion. He shouldn't have been the champion. He doesn't have to be the champion. Not everyone has to be the champion. Only one can. And I think he just needs to be better if he wants to be. Whether or not... I liked battling how it was... A, I agree with Rochelle. It was a super fun battle. I, I had a smile on my face when it was how, even though I knew it was going to be how. I just think yeah. like him sitting on the throne would have been just a little bit sweeter. And I, my assumption was Game Freak was, was still very much... They want you to be the first champion. They were too lazy to change that title screen that rotates around at the end. I don't 100% know. <laughs> agree. <laughs> I too would've... lazy to edit the code. Even, I mean, like, even him sitting on the throne and Kukui just already being up there and slightly moving aside. I don't know. I just... Honestly, even if they had... Even if they kept the animation of how coming up the stairs and going, surprise, it's me. If it had just said... Just even a throwaway dialogue line of like, but there's already another champion you have to beat or surprise, I beat you first. Now you have to battle me like something like that would have been so much better. Even if they didn't even say he was champion and that they just said I was here first, I would have accepted that so much more because like he was there first. It feels like (laughs) all the all the writing on the walls was he was there first. And they, like, make him walk up the stairs after you and, like, don't acknowledge he was there first. That's my only problem with it. Mm-hmm. I would, I guess I would have been more upset if I had to battle Kukui again. <laughs> Did you guys like the... Ch- I think I, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I don't want this show to go any but much longer. We'll probably have another uh, Alola recap in the future. Maybe we'll include or not include post-game, because I I know that Al has a bunch of stuff that he probably brings up. Rochelle probably still has a laundry list. But, because we're already talking about the Elite Four, what, did you like the change of Molane? Did you like that Kahili was still there? What, uh, uh, Ace Rolla was still there, and then Olivia? Three girls in the Elite <sighs> Four, Rochelle? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, that's the only good part about it. Wow. I, Molane was a good I, part. I'm glad Molane was okay. there because he should have been there in Sun and Moon. I, I'm not sure why he wasn't because they definitely hinted at that in Sun and Moon. I am not necessarily opposed to having Molane there. I will state again, I am frustrated that as a new member of the Elite Four, Molane gets character development, but Kahili does not. I think my issues with, I mean, like, the battles were fine enough. Going through it was fine enough. I mean, it was as enjoyable as battles ever are for me. My genuine real issue with it is just, like, the character choices, but not for, like, mostly it's that I am a believer in the conspiracy theory that Kukui is a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) What is that theory? They talked about it on... It's the theory you originally brought up last year, Will. Where Kukui is yeah. ruining oh, okay, okay, Alolan okay. traditions by building... Right, yeah. I don't know what that has to do with Molane, but okay. Oh, well, what it has to do with Molane, Molane is, is that exception. Molane replaces Hala. And that's why it frustrates me. Because to me, it's incredibly frustrating to see, like... For me, it's frustrating because, like, 
this culture has an actual like established tradition. Like Kukui makes a point to tell you about it before you go into the Elite Four. That what like the tradition is you're supposed to go through your trials and then you can go up to the top of the mountain and you can battle all four of the kahuna again at their full strength and the tapu will come and watch and it's in honor of the tapu and it's this big like cultural ritual. And then Kukui comes in and is like, you know what? I'm just going to take this sacred ground and build a weird building that looks like it comes from another culture on top of it and make an elite four and boot out that cultural ceremony, basically. So I yeah, I can see that. Right. Because what. So just to make it clearer for the listeners who may have lost track in the first game. You have Hala, who is a kahuna. You have Olivia, who's a kahuna. You have Acerola, because Nanu's following lazy. Nanu is lazy, yes. And he doesn't want to do anything more than he's required to do. That's why Which he's dark sense. type. Which, by the way, he, this should be something he should be required to do, because as was mentioned, it was the kahunas before. So that should well, be no, part no, of what no, he's but doing. Re- required as in somebody is going to physically harm him unless well, he no. does it. He says, he says, Nanu says that he does what the Tapu tells him to. He says, well, I can't not do what the Tapu wants me to do. So this, if it was done correctly, would be what the Tapu wants him to do. Uh, I I'm say, not I, so sure about I the Tapu as, that. I bet as, this is just speculation, of course, but I bet as a Kahuna, you could have somebody represent you uh just like like just like if the president uh not talking about any specific president gosh forbid we bring up politics but i believe the president can pick anybody they want to represent them in a meeting if if needed i think that i would assume that nanu can pick somebody to represent in a situation like this but maybe it's not the same thing though to finish the thought um Kahili is there because there was no Kahuna on Pony Island until like five minutes before <laughs> you go to challenge the Elite Four. So lazy programming, because I also kind of agree with Steve that in the first games, they kind of did indicate that Molain would be part of the Elite Four. And that does kind of go in line with the whole uh, we're ruining tradition and we're not even going to have all Kahunas up here. That they they now follow that story through, but they didn't put uh what's her name? The little girl. Um Acerola? No, the Hapu. new Kahuna for Pony Island. Hapu. Uh, Hapu. Yeah, Hapu. That she should have she should have been there and not Kahili. And how cool would that have been? And I will say, like like when I talk about my issue with this, it's not like I don't have an issue that Molaine is there. Because I agree, they followed through on that story, and I like that. My issue has nothing to do with like the mechanics of it. It's the issue of just personally, I, I have an issue with how foreign the entire experience feels to the region. And because it feels like it's trampling on the culture of the region, if that makes sense. So like the way I explained it in Slack is that like I would have felt a lot better about it if it had been like oh all the kahuna are here because the cultural leaders of the region came together and agreed to do this thing or i would have felt more comfortable if like the the architecture of the stadium felt more inspired 
by a lowland culture and architecture, kind of like, I mean, like, and that's something they could easily do. They did that in Kalos. I know. I just finished that game recently. It's all these little small things that add up to be like, oh, this feels so dismissive of the entire cultural and, and environmental, like, feel of the game up to this point. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost, yes. Yeah. It's almost like I went through this entire game playing in Alola, and then at the very end, I was magically transported <laughs> to, like, Kanto or somewhere, and I'm playing in a different it, it was just really weird my, my I think biggest... the special... Sorry. go ahead al go ahead i was just gonna say i think the especially weird thing is the fact that you are specifically told this is what used to happen and now we're changing it i think if there wasn't a way that they a thing that they did after your island challenge it would be it would have been different as well because it's the fact that kukui is replacing something with something else mm -hmm. whereas what he wanted was a he, he said that he wanted a champion, essentially. He wanted a way to say that Alola has good Pokemon trainers. He didn't need to change it all to do that. Exactly. I have So I have two thoughts about the Elite Four that I don't think I talked about fully uh, in Alola Vacation. Obviously, I'm, I'm a believer that Kakui is screwing over everyone with the Elite Four. That's fine. But uh, the one thing that I think we mentioned is in this game, it's... Kukui subtly, sud, subtle, subtly, uh, I feel like doesn't like Hala, and that's why Hala gets the axe for the Elite Four uh, instead of Molane. There's that part. I like the way you're thinking. That's the, yeah. There's like mm -hmm. the part where he's like, Hala's supposed to give you your Pokemon, but I'm going to give it to you now. I guess you should thank him eventually. Uh, and there's a couple other parts, but like that's as early, like it is the start of the game where Kukui is already kind of screwing over Hala, and like it's a tradition for the island captain, island Kahuna, to give you your Pokemon, and Kukui gives Kukui ruins that tradition right off of the bat in the beginning of that game. Uh, there are other there are other subtle moments that Kukui does this, but that's that's the big one there. The second thing that really frustrates me about the Elite Four, and again, I liked the Elite Four overall. I thought they were fun battles. They were actually, I think, one of the easiest Elite Fours for me to go through, both underleveled and overleveled, is that Olivia is there. And I think that's my biggest problem with the Elite Four, is because Molane, who should have been in the Elite Four to begin with, because he Kakui is on the top of the mountain with Molane to talk about the Elite Four, and they fall through with that in Sun and Moon, and that's fine. They make good here. Great. Kahili is there because Kahili, obviously, one of the strongest trainers around. We know that Kukui has been bothering her for months. Uh, according to the little bit of dialogue we get, that Kahili should be there. If you go back and you play the original Sun and Moon demo, there is some Kahili stuff in there, which I think is really great about her being such a powerful trainer. There's a whole bunch of golf stuff the more you look. And I think that there was probably more Kahili stuff because there's clearly a golf course on the map behind the Grand Hano Resort that you can see on the map, but you can't actually access. Uh, in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, if you do talk to the hotel owner, they do talk about how uh, they own the hotel and Kahili is their daughter, which I think is really fascinating that Kahili is obviously this really rich golfer who's also a good battler. So I think Kahili is there, Moelane is there, I'm completely fine with that. I will give Ace Roll of the Pass, because even though that Nanu is a Kahuna, 
Uh, he doesn't care at all about anything unless specifically told by a tapu. So Kakui, like, knowing that Nanu doesn't care and Ace Rolla coming in in as uh, a substitute, I think is fine. The problem is Olivia being there because she is the actual only Kahuna on there still trying to represent what Kakui has pretty much destroyed at this point. So it actually makes me like Olivia less because she's either in on with she's either in with Kakui with Alola traditions, which her character never really ever hints at, and or she's just oblivious. And that is super frustrating because I always thought Olivia was like this strong female character. And the fact that she's up there and the only Kahuna is really frustrating if she is actually just oblivious to what Kakui is doing. I really love Olivia and I love Olivia's character and I love Olivia's character in the anime. When I got to Olivia again in the Elite Four this go around, my literal, the first thought that went through my head was that she's literally here as eye candy. And that might just be because I'm angry and bitter and I was definitely angry and bitter by this point. But that's kind of how I felt about it. I agree. Like, as weird as it is coming from me to say, like, it should have been someone else instead of this woman character. I kind of agree with your criticisms. And I, I really did kind of feel like she was there because she's she's the sexy one who they have to establish if you go talk to her. Like, she's single and sexy, guys. We have to go out of our way to establish this. And then she's in the Elite Four for you to look at Oh, at yeah, the end. they do say that she's single a lot. Yup. I totally... It drives me crazy. The other thing I've just thought about just now, how is Kakui so powerful? How <laughs> has he managed with clearly most of the um, kahunas unhappy with what he's doing, right? How has he managed to be, to get, to allow him to build on top of the mountain and completely change everything? He's very... How has he done that? Very charismatic. <laughs> He's very charismatic. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. We can't argue with uh, that. He's got those sweet abs, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to say, just like, because I generally just... You know my opinions on the Kukui thing. But like, in my mind, as an extension of the story, I would like to imagine Tapu Bulu coming in in like two and a half years and just like wrecking the place like he... Did the supermarket so just like no yep, this was sacred yep. land you can't that is what i imagine would probably happen yep he's just like waiting until they get comfortable and then he's gonna be like nope get rid of this garbage yep the same way it waited until they built and stocked the supermarket and then just wrecked yep, it 100 percent agree all right well we'll we'll leave it there I, i'm sure we have more thoughts I feel like we were overall more negative than positive on Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but... As a reminder, as I said at the beginning, I love this generation and it is my favorite. Please, please believe me. What we're going to do now is we're going to just flip to Pokemon of the Week. I'm going to toss it over to Will. And our Pokemon of the Week this week is Seviper. And... Seviper's biology. Seviper is a serpentine Pokemon that is usually depicted scrunched up like an accordion. It is mostly black, but has several markings on its body. 
It has yellow hexagon markings that run from its head to its tail, small yellow bumps where it touches the ground, and various purple scar-like marks. It has elongated red fangs that protrude from its upper jaw and fierce red eyes. Its tail is partially red and has a blade-like shape. Saviper sharpens its tail on rocks and can use it for its former signature move, Poison Tail. Saviper wraps around its opponents to make them unable to move. Its tail and fangs are venomous and are used for striking and poisoning prey or enemies. It has been bitter enemies with Zangoose for many generations. It lives in grassy areas. And... Saviper is based on a viper. Specifically, the Habu, a type of venomous snake that was often pitted against mongooses in roadside shows. This practice is now considered inhumane and is rarely seen today. (laughs) Aside from its scars, the shape of its color pattern resembles that of the elegant pit viper. The rivalry it shares with Zangoose is based on the relationship between mongooses and snakes. Uh, and just Will Anderson editorial commentary, um, the practice is inhumane. Well, it's not only considered inhumane, and it has <laughs> always been inhumane. Okay, so regular Saviper is mostly a black slash dark gray with yellow and purpley accents. Shiny Saviper has the same main body color, but the accents are yellow and red. And some trivia here is that uh, in an infamous Pokemon trainer's choice, Saviper was incorrectly claimed to be an evolution of Arbok. Saviper and its rival Zangoose share several characteristics, such as being in the field egg group, residing in the same friend area, and being the only two Pokemon with the total base stat of 485. Saviper and Zangoose are also the exact opposite experience groups, with Saviper being in a fluctuating group and Zangoose being in an erratic group. Not sure what that means, actually. No, I have no idea. Is that the uh, the XP for leveling up? Like, yeah. There's, there's different patterns. Like some some evolve. Some sorry. Some level up with like steps up of XP and some will just like one level will take a ton of XP and then like the next five will take a little bit of XP and then up again, like stuff like that. Yes. There's a lot of different level groups. There's erotic. I'm sorry, not erotic. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was a, I thought this was a family friendly show. Steve. There is erratic. Fast, medium fast, medium slow, slow, and fluctuating. Those are all the level groups that you can be assigned to. Uh, not that, not that first one though. So uh, Viper is a combination of Sever, or Severe, and Viper. I think Saviper's cool. Al, give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on Saviper. I want to know Al's European thoughts on this Pokemon. Saviper is a snake. <laughs> Did, not I just any. I've never you, really had many many feelings about Saviper. It's fine. It annoyed me in the anime. I, I can't explain why. I like the one thing I really like about Saviper is in the horde battles in X and Y. If you got 
either Sviper or Zangus. There was one of the opposite one, and they would all they would attack each other, which I really like. Just as a kind of small, I, I always love these small things that they put in the games. That you're like, you really put thought into that that one tiny thing, and that I really like in X and Y. Yes, those are the details in Pokemon games that I live for. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode here uh, next week. Uh, actually, so a couple things real quick. We'll do some house cleaning. So Will, myself, Micah, Irene will be at PAX. If you're listening to this, PAX starts on Friday. We will be there from, I don't know the exact dates. What are the dates, Will? 12th through the 14th uh, in San Antonio. So if you're in the Texas area, there are still tickets available for PAX South. We'll be speaking about Pokemon on Friday. And then uh, if you listen to my other podcast, which is a Monster Hunter podcast called The Carve, I will be doing a panel there, double panels, dose panels. I will be doing a panel there on Sunday for The Carve. Uh, The other thing is uh, I am on the path to Twitch partnership. The last thing I need to get the Twitch partnership is an average view count of 75 75 concurrent viewers on average per stream. Since I stream for like six to eight hours, that pretty much means I need about 75 people or more watching at all times. Uh, I have accomplished that for the last seven days, but you need to be able to do that for 30 days straight. And so if you want to help with that so I can get a Twitch partnership by the end of the month, it would be really great if you come out and hang out uh, by going to twitch.tv slash pkmncast. That would be super helpful. Uh, I know the question I actually get from this is what does it mean to be a Twitch partner? So I can answer that real quick. There's a couple things. Uh, I think the big thing is it makes it more sustainable. Sustainable for me to make a living off of Twitch if I decide to go that route and the podcast route, which is pretty much what I've been doing since I've been unemployed, is trying to achieve both those goals. Uh, Right now, I get a 50% split from Twitch, so every time somebody subscribes to the channel, that is a $5 subscription. I get only $2.50 from that. If I get partnered, it becomes about a 70-30 split instead of a 50-50 split. I also get ad revenue once I'm partnered. So if you're not subscribed and you watch one of those like 15 second ads before you get into the video, I get money from that, which I get zero dollars from. And then on top of that, I get a whole bunch of emotes that are exclusive to the channel. So you guys, so I know people want a quick claw emote and people want a shiny emote and people want a cat emote because my cats are always on stream. So I get a bunch of emotes as as that. Uh, and then there's a couple other things, but I think those are the big three. And shout out to Rochelle for hanging out in the streams and moderating. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> there's some really... I am always very impressed with Steve's ability to like cultivate a really nice community around all the stuff he does. Like I know I say a lot that like the Slack is a fantastic community. The Twitch chat community is also fantastic. Like, just a lot of really great, nice people. It's a great place to be. Yeah. And so I do that pretty much every single night. Uh, So the next, pretty much, as soon as I get back from PAX, I'll be streaming pretty much nightly. So if you can hang out with me and help me get to that 75 average for the next, whatever, 20 days left in, in January, that would be great. I know some people just open the stream in the background and not really watch just to help out. That does help. I know it's it's really dumb. 
I'm just gonna say it just because most people don't know. If the actual stream itself is muted, it doesn't count. But if you keep the stream volume up, but you mute the tab, which is something you can do in like Safari and Google Chrome. I'm assuming you can do it in Firefox. I don't use Firefox. Yes, you can. All right. I do. You can do it. Okay. You can just mute the tab and not the actual video. So if you, if you know, you're busy, but you want to help and you just want to have the stream up in the background, just lower the video quality, keep the volume up, but mute the tab. That is super helpful. I know like people just leave the stream open all times just to make sure they help. Uh, if that's something you can't do, I totally get, but that's just another way to help. That is super easy. Uh, so far, we've been hitting the average with without me making that announcement. So hopefully we continue hitting that average. That would be super great. Uh, that's all I got. We're going to be at PAX, the Twitch stuff. Uh, Al, you have a new Twitter handle. Yes, it's uh, Mick Inky or MC Inky. Uh, spell that because the In way you Inky. pronounce it is How do you want me to pronounce it then? In in K. Okay. Say it like an American like now. It's Inky. It's But no, because it's actually taken from here's Will's knowledge of Pokemon. They wanted something that sounded like okay. So it's in K. It's and both. That way it's people will actually I'm gonna have to change exactly, my name again. I'm people I? will actually I tried spell to get it. one that was easy to say. No, no, no. Because if you say Inky, people are okay. gonna say in- spell it M C I N K Y and leave out the A. There you go. You can hang out with, with me on Twitter at, at Miss Delaney. Delaney has two L's. They're right next to each other. Whoa. Uh, Will is at Washing the Sink. I know that. I've been saying it for years. I am at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Uh, I think that's about it. We hit 800 reviews in iTunes. So uh, thank you, everyone who reviewed us in iTunes. We're at like 809 right now. Still at a five-star average. You guys are incredible. That was our goal for, that was one of the goals for 2017 and we hit it. So because this is our first real episode of 2018, I'm going to say that our goal for reviews is to get to 900. Pretty safe bet. You know, 100 reviews in 365 days I think is is good. Uh, I would like to go th- to 1,000, but I think that's a little ambitious. Maybe we'll aim for 2019 for that one. <laughs> But thank you, everyone who reviewed. Uh, if you want to review, you know, just hop in iTunes and hit the little five star button, and you you guys know by now. Uh, but I think that'll wrap up the show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and Super we are effective. Super Najarala. <laughs> effective. It's Super Effective was created and produced by me, Steve Black Jr. Logo and artwork were also created by me. The music on ISE was created by Nicholas Burgess. If you enjoy ISE, consider leaving a review in Apple Podcast or just tell a fellow friend about the show. ISE is my current job right now, and I need all the support I can get to keep doing it weekly. 
If you'd like to support ISE, you can do so on Patreon. You can support me by heading over to ISE.cash. For as little as $2 a month, you'll gain access to our Slack community where you can battle, trade, and chat with other trainers. And for $5 a month, you'll gain access to our bonus anime podcast. A quick shout out to our producers of this show, which include Robert, Kevin, Albert, Mason, Kay, and Cygnus. Thank you all for listening.